0: Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear and if you'd like to find out more about us then visit mind-springs.org. Yeah, I and mean, this is a very uh, this is a very profound question as your questions often are. Uh, this is um Really, and I can talk about it a little bit in terms of, you know, because I am a therapist and I also am a Buddhist practitioner. Um, that in some ways the, the Buddhist world and the therapy world have different notions of self, uh, and in some, ta- some ways they have beneficially interpenetrating ideas of self. You know, there's a lot of very interesting stuff around Buddhist practitioners who are also therapists, so Zen practitioners. And so there's a, there's a lot of crossover. Uh, to come back to your original question, the, in, in the Western therapeutic model, particularly the more contemporary one that looks at neuroscience, um, awareness and consciousness are often conflated. So if you'd ask most therapists, like, you know, is, is there a difference between being conscious and being aware, they'd probably say no, it's the same thing. And for most of us that is, for example, the the defining definition of uh, awareness and consciousness could be, for example, when you wake up. Mm -hmm. So you've been asleep, so you've been unconscious, or you know, you've faint, or you've been in anaesthesia, and you come round from your anaesthetic, or you come round from your faint, or you wake up. Mm -hmm. Is that regaining consciousness? And is that the same as being aware? Um, And I think the interesting thing is that most people would say, well, when I'm asleep, I'm not conscious. But then, of course, we also dream, Mm -hmm. which clearly is some kind of consciousness. Um, And so it might be useful to have a definition between waking consciousness and a more fundamental layer of awareness or consciousness that is there all the time, mm-hmm. and then you then you get to the questions: Well, what happens when I die? Mm-hmm. You know, is that the end of consciousness, or is there something underlying that continues beyond death? Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a very profound question, and the, and the. The Buddhist uh, view of this is perhaps illuminating because certainly in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a sense that awareness um, pre-exists our individual incarnation. That is to say, whether we are asleep or we're alive or we're dead, awareness is always there. Mm -hmm. There is some fundamental level of Awareness that make is not affected by sleeping or uh, dying, mm-hmm. um, but hopefully the the Buddhists have a very elaborate system of consciousnesses. So for them, consciousness is definitely something separate from awareness, because you can be aware of your consciousness. So. You know, in the classic uh, Tibetan understanding of the conscious mind, from the Abhidharma, there are eight kinds of consciousness. There's the six that are, well, there's the five that are associated with our senses. So we have mind, uh, sorry, sense. Sorry, six. There are five. <laughs> oh God, it's <that's> really complicated. <laughs> I have to draw a diagram. There are five consciousnesses that are to do with our senses. So there's the eye consciousness, that is the part of our brain that receives the visual cortex, that receives uh, the quanta of vision, and that turns that into the experience of seeing. And then there's similar ones for the nose, for the skin touch, for the taste buds, and for the ears. So each of the senses has its own attendant consciousness, which totally parallels what neuroscience has discovered, that there are parts of the brain that receive this uh, information and turn it into experience. Mm. I was watching a documentary about it last night, that when we open our eyes, uh, in each second the eye is sending 10 million pulses of electricity to The visual cortex 10 million each mm-hmm. second at a speed of 270 miles an hour. So, so there's this incredible whoosh going on all the time underneath our, like, na, 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 <laughs> you know, our really slow tortoise like thoughts. There are 10 million pulses of information passing to the visual cortex every second. So the Buddhists understood that there is a specific area of the mind that receives those uh, impulses, and that's what they call sight consciousness. And similarly, there are ones for the for smell, touch, taste, and all the others. And then there's the sixth consciousness, which is the one that registers thoughts. So in Buddhist um, understanding, the thoughts is the sixth sense. Mm-hmm. So there are thoughts, which are mental phenomena, so a shape or a colour or a vision or a memory or a thought or a voice in the head. And then there's the part of the brain that registers that and turns that into experience. Mm-hmm. So those are the six gross consciousnesses. And then there's the seventh consciousness, which is uh, uh, the tricky one, because the seventh is the one that imputes a self to all of that. That all of those six, it kind of draws them together into a sense of Jane or Alistair. This is my vision, my smell, my uh, thought. This is the the one that makes a self, a self-making consciousness. And then the eighth consciousness is the store, what they call the storehouse or alaya consciousness, which is every input that has ever come in through our senses and through our thoughts and our experience is laid down in sort of like a compost heap of, of not quite memory because it's the source of memory, memory is when so it comes up, but it's like a great storehouse of everything that's ever happened in our, in our life or in our many lives. So it's, a, it's an enormous, compost heap of everything that we've experienced that's called the alaya or the storehouse memory. And it's when the storehouse memory uh, is what generates uh, karma, it's what lays down. Our past experiences condition our future, uh, our present experiences. So the eighth consciousness is constantly colouring and feeding and um, giving impetus to the other seven consciousnesses. So, the the Buddhist, you know, this is incredible to think that this is like two thousand years ago that this was all worked out, and there's no neuroscientists, no 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 fMRI scanning, um, but simply through introspection that uh, Buddhists, psychologists, scientists worked this out. Um, But all of that. The eight consciousnesses are um, taking place within a field of awareness. So awareness, we'd call it cosmic awareness, or great awareness, or pure awareness, is not the same as those contingently arising consciousnesses. Not even the Alaya, not even the great big one at the bottom. And so... Um, it's the awareness, the field of awareness, or Rigpa, pure awareness, uh, that is the most reliable place to put our efforts, if you like. Yes. Because all the other consciousnesses are kind of out of our control. They're, they're running on autopilot. That's the working of the brain, it's the working of the body that we were born into, the culture we were born into, the family we are born into, you know, all of these are determining those eight consciousnesses in every moment. <clears throat> but but um, Rigpa or awareness is free, it's mm-hmm. unconditioned, mm-hmm. and so from a Buddhist psychology point of view, awareness is what we want to identify with, not with the endlessly shifting, Uh, machinations of the eight consciousnesses. Yeah. And so then, in terms of your second part of your question, I'll touch on that briefly, since I don't want to dwell too much on Donald Trump's psychology, but (laughs) in terms of what you were saying there, um, anything that plays out inside of those eight consciousnesses is just a bit like the weather. You know, if you, if you live near the equator, the weather will play out in a certain way. If you live in the Arctic, the polar caps, then the weather will play out in a different way. There will be variations in that. Mm-hmm. You know, some, it'll be more snowy and sometimes it'll be sunny and then there'll be a storm and then there'll be melt or it'll be a monsoon or it'll be a dry season. Yes. But in that band of the planet, the weather will play out in a certain way because of conditions, because of where it is in relation to the sun. Mm -hmm. And similarly, if those consciousnesses play out in a... So, different weather patterns happen, you know, they're always changing, but they happen in a certain bandwidth, depending on where you are on the planet. And similarly, different personalities play out always changing, but they're largely constricted by where they are in the psychological planet. You know, if you are a egotist, you know, narcissist, then mm-hmm. your weather patterns are going to play out within that structure. Yeah. If you are a you know, very compassionate, outward and uh, you know, pointed person, your weather is going to play out in that way. If you are a depressive uh, or an anxious person, then your weather patterns are going to play out that way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whether you're a self-blamer or a self-other-blamer, uh, which should kind of two polarities, really, uh, then that depends largely on the context and something is happening uh, within the bandwidth of your mm-hmm. family, your upbringing, you know, the country you were born into, the you know, financial... Economic situation you were born into—all of mm-hmm. those things are going to affect the weather of your personality. Yes. So the the kind of play out of those eight consciousnesses is conditioned by the alaya, is conditioned by the underpinning of you know your history, your memories, if you like. Yes. And that is samsara in Buddhist terms. That is the the playing out of karma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't really escape it inside the bubble. Inside those eight consciousnesses, uh, it's going to keep on playing out, yes. uh, which is the, you know, the hell, presumably, of being Donald Trump, or the <laughs> hell of being someone you know, with mm-hmm. severe schizophrenia or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the exit strategy... And this is very true. Buddhism, sometimes depending on what kind of therapist you are, is about um, disidentifying with the eight consciousnesses and identifying with Mm -hmm. awareness, because that's where the freedom lies. And more importantly, that's where the love lies, because the awareness, the field of awareness, is not just a cold, neutral nothingness, it's intensely warm, loving, wise, uh, and compassionate space. Yes. Yes. Uh, thanks, thanks a million. Um, uh, that really pulled together things that I'd understood in maybe three or four different fragments. But uh, yeah, yeah, fascinating. Thanks a lot. Great, great, good. I'm glad it was helpful. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to join our live sessions, you can at mindsprings-practicespace.org. Also, if you feel inspired to give us a review or a rating, we'd really appreciate it. It helps other people find us.